Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed, you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org. Thanks for joining us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to World Spirituality, exploring the unity within all cultures and faith traditions with your host, Reverend Paul John Roach. So hello and welcome to World Spirituality on Unity Online Radio Network. I'm your host, Paul John Roach, coming to you from Fort Worth in Texas. And today I welcome Muslim spiritual teacher, facilitator and coach, Iman Al-Zaabi to the, to the show. She's the author of a wonderful book called The Art of Surrender, A Practical Guide to Enlightened Happiness and Well-Being. And she's also written another book called Finding Grace. It's uh, 365 days of daily comfort for uncertain times. Goodness knows we can use that. I read through that book and it's wonderful affirmations for every day of the year very much in line with our unity thinking and uh, makes a wonderful, uplifting guide, maybe something to get for the, for the new year. But the, the Art of Surrender is the book that we're going to look, look at today. Um, in it, she, she integrates the principles of, of harmony, beauty, and unity. And, uh, and that's what we're going to look at today in terms of exploring how to, how to do that, because it's easy to say and hard to do sometimes. So uh, hopefully this book will elucidate uh, how to do this. So it gives me great pleasure to welcome Iman to today's show. She's coming all the way from Abu Dhabi in the United Arab Emirates. And I think it's the first time I've interviewed somebody from, uh, from that part of the world. So it's exciting. So thanks for being with us. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm excited too. You know, first tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit of background, you know, how, because when I, when I read your book, I think, uh, wow, this sounds so Western. It's, um, it's imbued with uh, some of the alternative spiritualities that we're familiar with in, in Europe and, and America. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and I thought it would be more overlaid with sort of typical Muslim t- thinking. So t- tell us about that. How, how did you get so westernized, seemingly so westernized? <laughs> well, that's an interesting question. Um, as you know, the Arab world was, um, you know, uh, colonized for a while. And, you know, as, as development happened and we gained independence, um, you know, the country focused all its efforts on development. And I'm one of the, the, the first generations to receive, you know, education. And my mom didn't. She, they received, you know, primary education. And that was it for them. So we were the center uh, of attention for our government. So education was key for women, for, for men. Um, you know, we progressed. But, you know, we opened up to the world. A lot of expats came here to for job opportunities. And we were taught by the Canadians, the Americans, the Australians from all around the world. 
So um, that's how we got, you know, uh, westernized, if you will. <laughs> mm-hmm. Very interesting. So, Generally, in terms of the spirituality aspect that you were referring to, I've had my um, fair share of, you know, life struggles as everybody else. And, you know, I've suffered from anxiety and depression disorder, panic disorder. Um, It it was severe for me for about seven years of my life. And then from there on, I was like looking for answers. And I would go to the psychologist and he'd say, you know, just take the bills and tell your, your thoughts to stop. And I'm like, you have no idea how suffering happens and how I'm actually not able to cope. And I thought, like, there's no answer there. And I tried to look for the answers everywhere else and kind of guided me to a place where I was looking for answers in the self-help, you know, section. And in that place, you know, that's where my journey started. I took energy um, healing sessions, one class after the other. I gained a lot of mastery. I was able to kind of, you know, develop a lot of my intuition, skill set, help others uh, along the line. So in that space, you know, I was, I encountered people like, you know, Louise Hay, Mark Nepo, all the, you know, people that you would know in the self-help industry right now. Um, but, you know, I've, I've, I've come full circle as well because it was a long journey in which, you know, I've come full circle knowing that, you know what, I think I, I need to kind of work on my spiritual aspects with Islam and come back to it. Um, so the book was actually uh, produced as a first edition. And then as I was going through the journey, I, I realized, you know what, I think I'm in a better place now and I, I understand more. And there are aspects of, you know, uh, probably new age spirituality was was influencing my writing. And so I had to produce a second edition. I, I'm not sure if you're reading the second edition at the moment, but um, in that space, um, I actually kind of make the conclusions. But the book is literally based on the, the spirituality of Islam, literally. Like the whole idea of surrender is, right. is actually spoken through the way Muslims actually approach surrender. And that's right. the thread that, was that gonna, I'm taking. That was going to be my next question. And having said that, you know, what you just said about New Age spirituality, it still has a lot of underpinnings in, in Islam, right? Because I noted that, you know, the whole idea of Islam is uh, finding peace through submission to God, right? And, uh, and so surrender is very much that, that uh, course of action, if you like, is... Uh, surrendering to, to that um, beneficence that it, that is God. So it's, it's very much in alignment. What's interesting for uh, some of our Western, Western listeners, I think, is that there's so much misperception uh, about Muslims in, in the world today, you know, and the idea that there can be educated Muslims in the Middle East who are imbued with uh, the same spirituality that, that we're interested in here, I think is a, is a revelation to some, you know, because we... We, the media says that you know everybody's screaming Allah, Allah, Allah Akbar and, and uh, <laughs> before they destroy things, you know. And um, it's it's not quite like that, is it? Obviously, and it's good therefore to have uh, shows like this, you know, that, that demonstrate that there there's a multiplicity here and a sophistication that that uh, sometimes we miss, you know, when we when we just listen to the uh, the more extreme versions uh, of things that are going on. Absolutely. And, and you know what is sad about this is that a lot of like the media and propaganda around Islam has reduced it to that moment when a person just says Allah Akbar and then, you know, something blows up. Right. Right. And, exactly. and, and that to me is, is like 
ridiculous. Um, and also when, when 9-11 happened, you know, Islam as a religion has like wore the, the orange suit, if you will, and was sent to a sentence for death. Um, so I think that's terribly unfair for the Muslim um, world and for, for Muslims in general. So I right. think, um, and I do understand people do not, it's not fault from their side. It's mostly how media portrays and what has been, um, you know, circled. But it's all about the receiver, right? So I'm the receiver of information and you're a receiver of information. Your role would be to kind of broaden your horizon, to open up to different worlds. And I'm sure your, your audience have probably traveled the world, have seen more than what the media tells them. But we have to keep vigilant, right? Because sometimes, you know, you can fall into the trap of uh, buying into stereotypes, et cetera, et cetera. And um, it's good to confute stereotypes. And th this book is all about that, too, is because you start off really with the biggest question, right? Which is, who am I? You know, what, what's really going on here? Um, who am I other than my conditioning? You know, is there something else happening? And, and you talk about the various aspects of us, right? Our egos, uh, our souls, ourselves. Um, mm. And, you know, the, all these are true in, to a degree, right? Even the ego has its usefulness. You talk about that in the book. Uh, but we are greater than our conditioning, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And it, it's, it's, a, it's a symphony of life. You know, I don't like to sell happiness as, you know, uh, let's be happy and have spiritual experiences and breakthroughs. It's knowing that when to be realistic with yourself and there are going to be hard moments and there will be great moments. But what is going to pull you through would be the understanding of your spiritual context. And this is what the book is all about. How do you find what is your spiritual context? How do you kind of craft your, your life around it? And how do you live life by design? I like that idea because it's about embrace. And I... I, I like to talk about embrace in terms of it's not about overcoming all our difficulties and then being happy, right? We're happy in the midst of, um, you know, because life life is a conundrum, life's problematic. We, we can't wait till all the problems are solved, right? You have to work with the, like you said, work with the context you're in and, and see the beauty in it, you know, in spite of difficulty, right? Um, uh, or in the midst of, and and I like that. It's a both. It's a both and world, not an either or world. Absolutely, absolutely, and that differs from you know the new age spirituality that tells you you know you've got to be happy, you've got to get rid of negative energy, you've got to get rid of negative in your right. life, right? right? And that's absolutely not realistic, and it's probably um, selling you false hope, let's say, and keeping you in a loop of being addicted to a program and and you know one one book after the other to find the answers. Just so that you, until you come to a place where you know, you know what, life is actually both, and I'm going to embrace both. I think sometimes it can be a sort of a nice thing at the beginning. You know, we've been we've been conditioned to live in such a, a pol polarized state that when we hear these these ideas that we can be happy, you know, that we we can call on that energy and be transformed, it's exciting. You know, it impels us forward. But but if you get stuck there, I think you miss out. It's a bit simplistic, right? Um, mm -hmm. So it's a good early stage. I, I know even in my life, you know, when I first heard the idea that, that God was energy rather than this angry man on a cloud, it was a revelation. Oh, my goodness. And that energy is within everything. You know, it was wonderful. But then, you know, you have to really take that and know what exactly that means and, and not just mm -hmm. um, hang out in, in some kind of a blissful state because 
you know, life, life is not always, always blissful. You know, one thing you say in the book um, is that we, there is an illusion of control. Shock horror. Don't tell me that. You mean I can't control everything? <laughs> no, not at all. You know, where, <laughs> wherever you lose control, that's where you touch on the divine realm, right? Right. So the place where you can't control, you cannot control the, your body reaction to things, right? You can't control what happens in your body. So you do know there are elements that are outside of your control. You can't control, you know, when the moon comes up and when the sun sets, right? You can't control so many things around you. All you control are your thoughts, attention, action, and your, your focus in life, right? So that's what you, you control. You have a sphere of influence. But beyond that, you really don't have much. We don't actually know what's going to happen in the next five minutes, do we? You know, Exactly. Uh, we assume it's going to be okay or whatever, but uh, we, we don't actually know. Something could happen beyond uh, our wildest imaginings, right? So we have to stay humble. And, and you mentioned that in the book a lot too. You know, this, this humility is powerful, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. And, and this is what surrender means, knowing that I am in communion with the greater power, right? Knowing that I'm with that power and he will save me and he will take care of me and then you know, moving along with that understanding in life. And that's the Muslim perspective, as you know. Well, I'm writing the book on, on unity and world religions right now, and I've been studying um, Islam quite extensively. And, and I have to admire certain aspects of Islam because the, the emphasis on community, right, and, and people doing these uh, practices and rituals together um, is very strong in, in, in the Muslim world, right? The, the idea of collective prayer, um, this, this collective identity of, of people moving towards God, or, you know, working in submission to God is powerful. Um, and you don't see that in many other religions, actually, that level of uh, intention and commitment. It's quite, quite interesting. Right, right. Because of the clarity of the Muslim faith, you have a lot more... Uh, um, coherence. You have a lot more intentionality. You have a lot more collaboration, cooperation. So I understand as a Muslim how to show up in the world. And my brother knows, my sister knows how to show up. We know what is expected of us and we're all doing our best within that, right? And so that tells you there's a certain level in which we're all operating that is common between us. And that makes it a lot more powerful as a religion than um, I can have my own interpretation of things and someone else could have their own interpretation of things and makes it, you know, so vague and up in the air. Which right, is different, exactly. right? And I, and, and I don't mean about spirituality here, so I, I differentiate, right? Um, mm. Because religion is, is the, to me, is a, the, the framework in which, you know, morality operates, social life operates, um, you know, our, our individual uh, practices operate. But beyond that, you know, the, the experience of the divine that we all experience as a result of engaging in these practices is very personal. Absolutely. And, you know, if there is a downside to, to the, the, what we just discussed, it can sometimes it can lead to too much rigidity, you know, that um, we're forced into doing things because that's part of the collective, right? And um, Sometimes we don't want to go along with it in quite that way. We want we we're, we're sort of spiritual rebels, if you like. And and I guess mm. that's why there's movements like Unity, you know, which is you could say it's loosey goosey, you know, because we don't have a common practice. <laughs> but on the other hand, it, it's it adheres to certain principles, 
and that there's a there's a freedom to that. So you know, I can I can see room for both, and even in the Islam, I think you know the the Sufi tradition, for instance, um, you know, it is more intent upon um, a, a more individualistic approach, right, to spirituality. It leaves room for that, um, a more in, uh, in imminent view of God rather than just God as uh, transcendent power. Um, so, so, you know, I think the Islam, Islamic world, you know, understands there's a need for, for that more mystical side to things as well. Yeah, I, I find that interesting because to me, I experienced mysticism or I, I wouldn't call it mysticism, but I experienced the divine on a daily right. basis. Right? Yeah. Interesting. And, and, and I experience him through prayer. I experience him through connection in my heart, deep connection and deep call for him to, to do whatever I would like to happen in my life, right? right? And it's always like in a state of surrender. Today, I surrender my day to you and please make it the best day, day it can be or make it the, like, you know, the most productive day. So that communion to me is the encounter with the divine, intentional encounter with the divine that you, you intentionally make. And that is not any different than my sister would experience if she has done that, right? Yes. So that that to me is like you know um, is a common thing for Muslims to experience. Not necessarily has to be experienced through uh, ritualized um, practices that probably the Sufis can have uh, by doing whatever they, they do. So I differentiate from let's say the Sufis themselves. Um, I don't associate with that kind of practice within Islam. And more of the Sunni, as you would call, right. and the Sunni uh, have their own kind of um, practices, which is the normal Islam practices. But then there is that um, deep yearning, deep connection, deep uh, desire to be in communion with God every minute of the day. Yes, very beautiful. And let's talk about God. You talk about God as singularity, right? And, um, mm -hmm. and so tell us about that, because I like that that term. Well, to, when you were talking about God as being kind of like energy, as I was in the New Age, kind of like dabbling, as everybody else might dabble, right? Um, and that idea kind of disturbed me a little bit. And I was like, okay, if, if God is energy, what does that mean, right? And does is it like that which is not defined can, can create something that is so beautiful, so complex, and so coherent, right? So I knew right away, you know, God has to be personalized and has to be defined because whatever is defined has to create definition, right? Has to create something uh, that exists. And from there on, of course, as a Muslim, I knew that was the case, but on my own spiritual kind of quest, having to come to the conclusion that God is personalized, God is singular, and is in, in his singularity lies his ultimate power, being the ultimate power of, of, of this universe. But when we hear power, a lot of people kind of get scared. And what does power mean? And is that, does that mean destruction? But what it means, it's, it's full ownership, but also full, um, well, let's say, uh, expression of all the divine qualities. That includes love, grace, mercy, um, healing, um, you know, uh, could be also the other side of God as well, anger, and, and all the other qualities. So all of these are expressed as you can see them in, in the creation that God has created. You see the angry, you know, woman. You, we see 
um, you know, the animals competing and we see the bloodshed, we see all that, but we also see the other side as well. And God is guiding us towards what is good and what is not so good for us through these expressions, right? Yes. Yeah, and that, that's one thing actually I like about Hinduism is the uh, the embrace of the dark side of God, you know, the, the Kali and the, um, the Durga energies, uh, you know, that seem angry and, and destructive and yet really are about the, the nature of the universe, you know, and, and it's it's very powerful. And, and so it has seemingly destructive or certainly purging forces, right, as, as well as the, the sweetness and light of things. And again, if we only want sweetness and light, we've missed some of the other aspects of the divine, right, which is um, which embraces again as that embrace word embraces all things. Question for you. Is there any role? Mm -hmm. Uh, for the feminine in terms of God, I, I think God is exclusively masculine <laughs> in Islam, right? No, 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 no. We don't give gender to God. It's okay. as simple as that. So okay. gender is basically, you know, the, the, the yin and yang, right? And it's, it's the clash of the yin and yang that create life. So when they collide, they create life. So you have children, you have, I don't know, uh, the brain comes up. Something happens. Those two energies, when they collide, they create life. It's always, God has made them that way. God is the source of life and therefore does not need a gender to be able to create life, right? So he's the source of all life. So we don't give gender to God. I mean, God, we see him as above anything and that we could have actually ever imagined, anything that we could have ever um, saw here in this life or dreamed about. Um, we understand as Muslims that our our ultimate uh, uh, destiny is a meeting of that God, right? Is that ultimate meeting of the sacred himself. And so we're on that journey towards that. Recognizing that we are eternal beings, recognizing that we have an eternal soul and that soul is going to transition to meet its creator. Right, I love that. Um, but, you know, by default, we have to... Uh, use the masculine pronoun, I guess. Do we? We yes, call him. We call him absolutely. he, even though he isn't he or she, right? But yeah, well, and he calls himself he in the Quran, which is like a sign of power. It's a simple yeah. sign. Sometimes he calls himself we, right? And they. Some, in the, in yes, the it's the royal we. It's the royal. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah, fascinating stuff. So um, I love the qualities of God. We would call them divine ideas in in unity. Um, in in traditional Muslim thinking, there are what ninety nine names for God, right? For the various qualities and aspects of God, um, right. and the most beautiful, of course, is uh, merciful and compassionate, right? Which is which is the term used over and over again. In fact, every every uh, surah in the Quran begins, doesn't it, uh, in the name of God, the the merciful yeah. and the compassionate, right? Absolutely, yes. And it stays so, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. So the, in the name of God, the most merciful, the most compassionate. Right. Which is beautiful, isn't it? And, and links in, of course, because we're talking about children of the book, you know, uh, Judaism, Christianity and, and Islam. You know, the, the, the core of it is this idea of God as love. Um, you know, Jesus only had one commandment, love one another. Uh, the, the Old Testament, the Torah talks about... Uh, love you know love god love your neighbor as yourself um right so very much the same right that that's that's the core of all three religions absolutely and god in the quran he says he's the god of moses he's the god of jesus he's the god of muhammad so he says clearly that 
and right. and he says I'm the I'm the same. Uh, if I spoke the Arabic tongue or if I spoke the 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 Aramaic tongue, it doesn't matter. He's speaking to us from different tongues, but he's he's the same um, entity that's speaking. I wouldn't say entity, but the same figure that speaks to us, right? Right, right. Uh, we've got a few minutes before the break. I just want to talk about the laws of life. You have a number of uh, aspects of the laws of life, and I'd like to read them. We can maybe pick out one or two. Uh, sure. The laws of life, chaos and growth, uh, responsiveness, dyn dynamic, evolutionary, perfect, varied and uncertain. That's, that's, a, that's an interesting bunch of qualities, isn't it? But they all mm. speak to me of unfolding, right? There's nothing static there. Everything is... Um, constantly unfolding in and through us like like uh, uh, the cycles of the seasons they're constantly moving and changing absolutely yeah yeah and that how, how life is life is this river that is moving and it's evolving and that's what is describing the current times we're living in it's uncertain but that uncertainty comes with a divine plan and a divine guidance and we all play a role in it we're not a victim we have to stop being feeling like a victim of this these circumstances we're all in, right? Right, and we ha we have to uh, flow with this, right? Um, I know it's an old, a new agey term, go with the flow, but the flow is a very profound thing. You know, the Tao Te Ching uh, talks about it a lot, and um, this this idea of, of staying um, open and receptive, if you like. And I th I think twenty twenty is has brought this to us all. You know, this idea that some people want to return to quote normal. But there is no normal, is there? There may be a new normal, but hopefully uh, COVID-19 has, has brought some pause to us that we can think, what, what really is important? You know, how, 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 in what ways am I willing to shift, right, and, and do something new? Absolutely. Can I ask, how are you coping with the COVID situation? Personally, I'm doing all right. Um, you know, touch wood, uh, God be willing, etc., um, but what about you? Yes, I'm, I'm talking about the, the spiritual kind of um, aspect that you would have on what is happening. Right? Oh, yes. OK. Yeah. Well, let, let's talk about that a little bit when we when we get back. It's, it's, I can't fit it in in the, in the half a minute we have. Um, but it's a, it's a very profound question. Yeah. Thank you for asking that. Um, I'm, I'm with uh, Iman Al-Zahabi. She's written two wonderful books, The Art of Surrender, Practical Guide to Enlightened Happiness and Well-Being, which is very apropos right now. And then another book about uh, finding grace, daily comfort for uncertain times, a wonderful gift book to yourself or others of 365 uh, statements and affirmations that uh, would be fantastic, I think, for the new year for 2021. And we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll look at some of the more practical aspects of the book, what we can do today to, to shift into a, a more creative way of approaching our lives. So join us then after these messages. Experience the difference. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. We now return to World Spirituality with Reverend Paul John Roach. So welcome back to today's show on World Spirituality. I'm with uh, Iman 
Al Zaabi. We're talking about her book, The Art of Surrender, and uh, it's a practical guide to enlightened happiness and well-being. Goodness knows we can use that right now. Uh, before the break, we were talking about how how do we approach COVID-19, you know, uh, not just in terms of trying to avoid it, but in terms of how do we approach it spiritually? What What's it here to teach us? So let me throw that uh, back immediately to you, <laughs> Eamon. What, what, uh, what, how have you done that? For me, uh, COVID, of course, has been a rough time for a lot of people here and and for me personally as well, because you you know we were working in in a company, and all of a sudden we're like we find ourselves working from home and having to struggle through you know the right. new normal of trying to you know homeschool or or have your kids do online learning, and you're doing all like the Zoom sessions on a daily basis. So kind of adapting to that lifestyle, even though I like it now, <laughs> and I think it's great. Um, but on a, on a spiritual perspective, that kind of shook us a little bit. And it got me thinking about, you know, um, what's happening in the world. And part of it is, is, is how humanity is purging its, its ego right now. It's like the ego is coming to the surface right now. And it's going to magnify. And I always see it as a, as a reflection of what's been growing, like, you know, simmering in our hearts and our, our lives for a long time, right? So if you've been like harboring a lot of anger, a lot of anxiety, a lot of whatever kind of emotions, they're going to show up right now because uncertainty brings that into the surface. And that's what we're experiencing. People kind of calling each other names or judgment, being judgmental and, and you know, fighting with one another. Nobody has any tolerance for anybody else's views, right? And, and a lot of that is just coming because the, the environment has opened up the space for people to kind of say whatever they want to, do whatever they want to without any of the usual considerations that we had to before, right? There's no more protocol, no more kind of uh, uh, empathy, no more compassion going on or being exchanged, not as much, let's say, as it used to be. And the COVID has disconnected, isolated people so that everybody's kind of throwing rocks from wherever they are on the other person (laughs) and and not caring for what their feelings might be or what their life might look like and whatever struggles that they're going through. So for me, it's, it's, um, it's an interesting observation to see how the world is kind of opening up and then the shadow is coming out and for people to be uh, experiencing ego. But there is also on the other side, people who are calling for, let's say unity calling for whatever. So it's just like, you know, COVID is like looking in the mirror like the COVID crisis, when I mean, I don't mean the virus, but the crisis. It's like looking in the mirror and saying, who am I now? And how have I come to this place, right? And it's always like, you know, if I don't like what I'm seeing, then, you know, I hope this crisis shows you that you can actually become a better person by by reflecting on who you are, where you want to go in life, what kind of values do you hold dear? And a lot of polarization is going to happen, not just already happened, but will happen as well. Because we're all gonna, we're, we're all feeling we're in this this kind of collective destiny, right? And in that space, we're having to manage different points of views, different ways of resolving issues, and we we're not coming together. We're not seeing eye to eye, and we're not coherent enough to be able to offer solutions. And to me, the the, the movement is towards more people coming back to themselves, 
more people coming back to who they are, to their values, to, to their understanding of who they are, why they're created, to be able to live life on a mission, on, on purpose, because that's the best that you can do. That's why you created, and that's what you're going to be doing, right? If you come back to that and express that, you're going to express more love. You're going to express more compassion. You're going to express more understanding of the other. You're going to descend or go above the, 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 the chaos that you see. You're going to go above that by doing the things that you're supposed to be doing in life and not wasting any time. A lot of people are kind of like on the sideline waiting for a vaccine or waiting for the next move, or waiting for government to do this or that. But you have to understand that putting that on the side, you still have a mission in life. You still have a life purpose to be expressed. And that to me is what people ought to be doing in this time where, where they're staying at home with their families. They know what matters the most, right? And if, if you know, uh, taking care of the elderly is your thing and it feels like this is your life purpose, go ahead and do it. If bringing, you know, peace and happiness to others, go ahead and do it. This is the time to do it. There's no other time to do it. Very wise words. And um, I, I like the idea that, you know, even though there's no immediate solutions, um, the fact that it's out there so we can see it is important, right? Because you can't change something as long as it's, it's hidden. Once it comes out, then you can begin to look at it and, and maybe move in a, in a more uh, healthy direction. So that's, that's a good thing. But I also like the point you made about do what is yours to do right now. You know, don't put it off. Um, there's many things we can do, uh, and often simple things, uh, acts of kindness or whatever, that, that um, you know, it, it's, it sort of gets, it drills us down into what's really important here rather than just like sometimes we, we're complacently going through life, you know, thinking that it's going to go on forever. Well, maybe it's not, you know, maybe this, this is an important moment um, to, to have that in, inquiry, I think, into to what's really important in our lives, which sort of fits in with another aspect of your book. Um, you, you know, you, you have three aspects of inquiry into things. Um, curiosity, which I love, because I think if you stay curious, you stay alive. Uh, reflection on what you've seen and experienced, and, and then also questioning it. Um, I think that sums it all up right there. You know, that we have to stay curious, right? Stay teachable. Um, reflect on that within within our meditation times or whatever, a self-reflection. And, and, and then question is, is are my conclusions accurate or do I, do I need to look again, whatever? So it's an ongoing process, isn't it, of, of sifting. And, and we don't just require our intellect to do this. You know, you, you have a whole section on the intuition as well, that this is an important aspect of, of curiosity is, is to go to that place where you don't just know about something, you actually know it, right? There's a difference. Absolutely, yes, yes. And, and, and to me, curiosity, questioning, and, and reflection are essential for anybody who is on a spiritual journey, right? And, and to me, that's how I got wherever I am right now in life, through applying those principles of if I have an idea, if, if a thought comes to me, and, and I explained to you about the idea of God being kind of uh, an energy, and I had to question that, right? I had to ask questions to get to a place where, you know what, no, it's not that, it is more of this, right? And to come to that place, you have to go through the process of questioning. And it might be unsettling for a while because it really like, oh, nobody's giving me the answers and I don't know what it feels like and I don't know what is the answer, right? But the more you allow your brain to kind of function in the circles of 
questioning, it will start to generate answers for you. And you'll feel like, oh, my God, it feels like this. Oh, my God, here is an insight. Oh, my God, a book comes to you, and then you read it, and there is the answer, right? And that's how the life kind of operates. And that's one of the, the when we talked about, you know, the laws and, and the rules of life is life is uh, reactionary and life is responsive. And it always responds. God is not going to bring a book from the sky and give you and say, it's here, this is the manual for your life, or here, this is who I am, and this is what it's all about, right? It happens through experience. And the answers come through experience. And the more you understand that, the more you kind of go with the flow to uncover and reveal. And that's why intuition is a very important aspect. So I always link the mind with the heart. And the mind and the heart always work together. So the mind receives information, processes it, ask questions the heart responds with a sense of resonance we all have that embedded truth in us we already know who we are we already know what the universe is all about we have the the what i call the intention of creation why god created us why god created the universe so the more you ask questions that intentional intention that is embedded in us starts to resonate in your heart and you feel oh yes that feels right to me and to me, that circle of, you know, incoming information, processing, asking questions, resonance, very important on the spiritual journey. And that's where intuition comes in as well. Yes, well, eloquently put, that's beautiful. Um, you know, I try and have a working hypothesis of what the heck's going on, but it's no more than that. You know, I try then to stay uh, very open to to guidance. And, and in fact, I don't want to know everything. And, you know, it seems it's a healthier, more wise thing to, to say you really don't know, right? Because there is that within you that does know and, and you, you, you learn to trust that, and you, as you said, from the heart, from that intuitive awareness. I think Socrates famously said, you know, or they said about him that he was the wisest man in Athens because he, he admitted he knew nothing, right? Everybody else thought they knew something. Um, and, and there is something refreshing about that, isn't it? That we don't have to uh, have this manual. You know, I've got the manual. Now I know everything to do to live life. Uh, right. You know, and the what's minute, the purpose of life then? <laughs> yeah, the minute we do that, you know, then something terrible happens and destroys, destroys everything, it seems to me. There's a sort of a hubris that comes when you, when you think you know stuff. Uh, but, yeah, yeah to, trust, to trust this living um, breathing uh, magnificence of, of the heart within us, I think, is uh, is tremendous, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. And in Islam, we recognize that the heart as the most important thing that that is in us as human beings, and it's all about cleaning the heart, making sure it's as as, as pure as possible. There is no uh, greed in there. There is no, um, let's say, um, whatever you know, uh, ego elements that could be you know, hiding in there. It's all about cleaning the heart. And to us, the prayers, the, 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 the practices that we do are all about cleansing of the heart on a daily basis. Right, polishing the heart, right, through, through remembrance of the divine, right? Right, absolutely, yeah. So, and, uh, and this, sorry, I'm just going to no, bring go in one more point, which is about the COVID. It's not to kind of dismiss what people are going through, and it's not to dismiss the pain and the suffering and the loss that people are feeling at this time, but to also know that your soul and my soul and all of our souls are actually larger than this life, right? And the more you know, you kind of go above and beyond this. I can see it happening, but I am larger than this. And, and whatever is happening right now, I can go through this and, and, and be on the other side, knowing that it will be okay, right? 
Right, and we're certainly not minimizing the the suffering and the extremes Absolutely that people not. have gone through, and and we give uh, utmost praise to the frontline workers, whoever they are. You know, whether they are doctors, nurses, caregivers, um, police, fire, um, but but also the people who are keeping the society moving, uh, essential workers, people who are willing to go to work to bring us our goods and and groceries. Uh, in, in a very faithful way. So we give thanks for all those people because, you know, without those uh, folks, we, we really would be in trouble. So so uh, we're endlessly grateful to them. And we're also grateful to, um, you know, the, the, the core of the press uh, who are bringing as much information to us as, as possible. I mean, we know there's uh, some uh, media that may be a little... Uh, tells us less than the truth, but but uh, hopefully the, it's an important part of uh, governance to have the fourth estate, which is the uh, the freedom of the press. So, the, so that's important too. So we, we give thanks for them. So yeah, for, but for anybody going through difficulty, we, we, you know, our heart goes out to them. This is the whole purpose of, of Unity and, and this show and all the shows on the network is to, to uplift love and care for, for each person on this planet. I agree, yeah. So you reach a climax in your book, uh, in part three, where you talk about the the journey towards a source, and you've divided it into four parts. Uh, you're calling God source here, um, and mm -hmm. uh, so we're we're finding it, we're knowing it, we're aligning with it, and we're surrendering to it. So they're really the same thing, just deepening stages of identification with with the source. So what do you mean by finding it? Well, in life, we all are born with what I call open loops, right? A loop that is open and seeks to close itself, right? And, and, and to close itself, the spiritual, like, kind of purpose of our lives is always an open loop for all, all of us and a lot of us, right? And you want to close that loop and come to a place of a full understanding of what that is. So the moment you start asking the big questions of life, the moment you say, who am I? Why am I here? which, you know, most of us go through, that means your soul kind of has launched the journey towards connecting to something bigger, connecting to something grander and more sacred. Then what you see on a daily basis, because what you look at, you might be looking at, you know, bloodshedding, or you might be looking at uh, people dying or homelessness or any kind of the, the, the phenomena that we witness. And that is, doesn't mean, you know, what we have in modern life, but it has always happened in life. Suffering has always been here. And so what you can like kind of instigate at this moment is to say, I have those questions in me. What is, what is the journey? What does the journey look like? You're going to be starting asking questions. And the more you ask questions, that's why I emphasize on inquiry as part of the, the spiritual journey, to ask questions, to find truth, and to be on that journey towards finding source. And when you find, and when I say source, I actually don't mean source as like the new age term of source, but I mean the source of all life, the one singular God that has created all this, the God of the heavens and the earth. And that to me is, is what the conclusion that I've come to. And so, and of course you will go on your own journey to find what source means to you and you will go and everybody else might go on their own journey. But the idea is that, you know, the spiritual journey has and the awakening process has those kind of stages to, to ask questions, to be uh, trying to find what source means to you. And once you find that and kind of create an understanding of it, you start to align with it. And to align means to pray to it, to find, to kind of seek 
uh, solace, to seek uh, communion, to seek to be with that, uh, with that power. And when you're there, you start to feel like, you know what, I can surrender to that power. And so you align and then you surrender. So I like the idea of finding a path, you know, that each of us is different somewhat, right? Um, I know I'm right. a nature mystic, so I find it easy to understand source through, through the cycles of nature and the beauty of nature. Uh, other people want to give service, and, and so they're, they're attracted to uh, serving others um, as, a way, as a means to know God, to know the source. And, and, and others are intellectuals and, and want to learn you know, through study or whatever. So, so there are different ways to approach, right? Each, so it's, there's no point fighting. If, if, you're, if you're a devoted person and I just want to uh, praise, the, praise the Lord or whatever, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's hard for you to be intellectual, right? Neither do you need to be, right? There's a path for each one of us. Oh yeah, absolutely. And this is this is the beauty of this life. It's like all of us are on a certain path, but it's it's all kind of uh, uh, it's all by by the the virtue of you know this creative power that has brought us into existence, right? And 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 now that we're in this existence, of course, you have to make sense of it. You can deny it; that's up to you, or you can go with the, with the journey of wanting to know what that is trying to find the answers for yourself and then making sense of what that looks like and how to kind of be in that space. You know, they were interviewing the great psychologist Carl Jung towards the end of his life. And um, I think it was his final interview before he died. And one of the questions at the end of the interview was, uh, they asked him, do you believe in God? And uh, he said, no. Um, I know God, and uh, I thought that was a profound statement, you know, it, it, it's the difference between knowledge and knowing, right, between just believing a nice idea, however profound, and actually mm -hmm. knowing it in your heart, like you were talking about earlier, um, it, it's incontrovertible when you, when you have that direct experience of, of, the, of, of the divine or source. Absolutely. And, and knowledge is different than knowing, right? Knowledge is what comes to you through information. And you kind of discern that information, make sense of it, and make a decision on that information. But knowing is something where you cannot explain, but you just know. There is an innate understanding of that truth, right? Yeah. And it's always inner, and it's an inner experience. And, and, and that, to me, is like, you know, how I got to know God is through that understanding of, of knowing him from within, and also from the grace that he has shown in my life. So when we align with God, in unity, we often talk about prayer as being an alignment. So you would subscribe to that, right? That uh, prayerful states are ways to align with source. Well, to me, that's how I would define alignment, yeah. It's through, through the act of prayer. Yeah, and but I don't say prayer is always, you know, um, one thing, I define it as being uh, three things. One is a prayer is an action is a prayer, you know, when you do good. And that's the Muslim uh, definition of a prayer. It's like when you do good, you're actually praying to the divine. When you praise the divine, you're also in prayer. When you ask, you're always in prayer. So there are three elements to prayer in yeah. Islam, which mm. I also talk about in the book. Yes, very nice. And uh, again, fits in very well with uh, the teachings of Jesus, you know, um, who emphasized those, those very same three things. So there are many commonalities. I think uh, this, this show, I hope, is an a, a enlightenment for many people who, 
who have uh, maybe uh, just don't know enough about uh, the Muslim tradition. And, and this is really yielding, I think, a lot of rich uh, treasures here about how how subtle and uh, noble the, this tradition is and, uh, and, the, and the way that you have uh, placed it in a, in a, in a more uh, context that is palatable, perhaps, for some people who, who resist sort of religion itself and want, and want spirituality. Because I would say this book is about spirituality, not religion. And although there's an underpinning in your tradition, uh, you, you don't voice that, right? It's, it's very, very ecumenical in that regard. Uh, yes and no. I do voice that religion is essential for our kind of providing the, the moral platform and the way we could operate as human beings. And I talk about it in the book. And I do say you need to look at religion as a, a viable and valid path for your spiritual growth, right? So I do talk about it in that aspect. Right, yeah. And what I was referring to was... Um... You know, making people become Muslims or whatever. Um, no, no, you, no, no. The book yeah. doesn't even say no. the word Islam. Exactly. <laughs> there's that's what, that's there's nothing. Was... And doesn't say the word Allah. But yeah. what it has uh, is a spirit. It's a, like what it feels like to be a Muslim. And, and the spirit of the spirituality of Islam is is expressed in the book. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, thanks for clarifying that. Because, uh, yeah, religion is a structure that's been going for thousands of years. And there's a lot to offer us. Um, and, you know, just to throw it all out because we're spiritual but not religious. I think we met, we're throwing out the baby with the bathwater sometimes uh, but, you know, you. In, in, in doing that. So um, it's a both and universe again. Uh, so the final one is uh, surrender to, to source. And, you know, a lot of people in, in, in certain uh, worldviews, uh, Americans don't like to surrender, you know, the, the, that's a difficult one, never surrender and all mm. that, uh, but you, what I love what you said here, you said surrender is giving over, not giving up, and it's that I like that differentiation. Oh, absolutely, the, to, to, to surrender is, a, is an innate in, internal spiritual experience, nobody's telling you to surrender to an enemy, or surrender means to give up on your life, on your dreams. It's on the contrary. You should wake up every day with an intention, with a vision, understanding where you're going in life. This is your duty. This is why you created. You wake up and you do good, right? You wake up, you accomplish whatever you're supposed to be accomplishing, right? And so the state of surrender is all where, you know, I've done the best that I can. God takes over, right? God takes over to guide my path. God's take over to open up a new door for me or to, to show me another person or uh, somebody who's going to lead me somewhere else. So when I'm in a state of surrender, I'm always open to possibilities, knowing that God is guiding the, the day, guiding my life and understanding that's the way it goes by when we talked about the previous uh, uh, stage, which is to align means to take action, to, to pray, right? And in a state of prayer, you align and then you move into a state of surrender. When you take action, you do the best that you can. God takes over. And, right. and to me, that is the, the communion we talk about, you know, being in communion. And I'm talking from experience. This is not theory. This is not just a book you read, you know, a, a, on pages. This is life. This is how you could. There's another way of how you could live life, right? Where you allow life to unfold before your eyes, knowing that God is guiding it and hoping for the best, knowing that he is, he's got the best, your best interest at heart. And yes. to, to trust God in that as well. It's a very systematic book, but it's very honest and heart-centered, and you can tell it's come from your direct experience, and, that, and that's what makes it uh, valuable. 
I'm going to tell people about next week's show. After that, I'd like to ask you uh, to give us a five in the five words or so something that we can take with us into our week today. Okay, so um, let me let me tell about, let me tell everybody about next week's show, and then we'll get those words of wisdom to end our show next week. A traveler, author, and national treasure in the UK, Dervla Murphy joins me. And she's going to talk about her long and active life, her many journeys around the world and her books that she's written, and especially her bicycle journey from Ireland to India through the Middle East that she uh, happened for her in 1963. It's a fascinating book, and it's a, she's a fascinating woman. So I think you'll enjoy uh, next week's show. Uh, but right now, uh, Eamon is going to give us five words of wisdom. Or six, if you want. <laughs> I was kind of looking in the book because I do talk about um, the seven steps to surrender, and perhaps we can actually focus on that. And and if if somebody's got the book, there is um, the final section came through me, which was actually I could read through that um, as kind of like a, a download, and it talks about the potentiality of alignment. Perhaps we can. We only have a very short time, so can we uh, yeah. maybe limit it just to two? Sure. It, it's all about, you know, our unity as a race, understanding that we are one race and we're all united in, in our destiny. To know that this is our time to do the best that we can and to know that love and compassion are are our innate essence. They're our innate nature and, and that one, what is seeking to be expressed. So do not allow the other side of you kind of to take over, but kind of step back and find the goodness inside of you and express that. Yeah, and to beautiful. me, that's, yeah. Yeah, that's a beautiful way to end. Excellent. Um, thank you so much, Eamon, for being on the show today. What a wonderful person you are. What a wonderful work you're doing. We very much appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I really had a great time. Thank you. And thanks for listening, folks. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye now. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed, you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org.